Well, again, let me say good morning, and let me say Happy New Year to you. I'm glad you're here. I can't imagine a better place to be, right? I mean, so Sunday falls on January 1st. Are you kidding me? You flip the calendar page. You get that fresh start, that new beginning. Still got that New Year smell, right? And here we are. And so as a preacher, you can't resist the opportunity to talk about new and what we're going to do this year. Guys, resolutions, habits, uh, new habit. I mean, this is the year, right? We're, we're finally going to exercise like we know we're supposed to. We're going to get that diet right. Uh, just the way I thought, I thought the irony of all the donuts and the sausage biscuits in the coffee hour. I thought, oh, you know. But here we are, New Year. So what are we going to do with habits and how are we going to invest time? And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we're starting out this brand new year. I want to start with three statements, right? Before we we open up God's Word, I want to establish that we kind of all agree, I don't think these will be um, mind-blowing, that these three things are true. So we're going to start with these statements about habits, about resolutions, most of all about how we invest our time. And I got these statements from a pastor named Andy Stanley. He preached an excellent message on time. And so I'm just going to quote him directly. Again, I, I don't think we're going to like, I don't think we're going to blow minds. I don't, I don't think that, I, I don't think that these things will um, be something like, oh, wow, I never thought about that before. But it's something when it comes to time and habits that we know we just tend to ignore. So here's the first of the three statements. Again, I told you I would just quote Stanley directly. Here it is. Complex sentence, simple point. Here's what he says. There is a cumulative value. Cumulative, right? It all adds up. Not one single thing, but there's a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. There is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. There are certain things, if you will give them on a consistent basis, consistency is the key. Time after time, it's not that one single thing matters that you did or failed to do, but a cumulative value over the long haul, everyone would agree it's going to end up in a big win, a big victory uh, in your life. Now, there are countless illustrations of this. I guess we'll start with the one we don't want to talk about. Like, we know that to be true, we just tend to ignore it. I mean, we'll start with the one, I don't really want to talk about it, so let's just get it out of the way. We'll start with exercise, right? We all know, right? You're supposed to, if you put in a little bit of time, it's a cumulative value, right? So 30 minutes a day over a long period. It's not about one installment of exercise. It's not about that, that one class you went to or that one you know, weightlifting or that one run that you, you went on and you failed to go on, but it's cumulative And you agree that over a long period of time, your body can be shaped into better health through exercise, through small deposits of time over time. It's not that one thing that you did or that one thing you failed to do. Uh, The list could go on and on. You know, so many of you right now are students. You know, it's studying. Studying, right? It's not that one cram. I mean, can you imagine? Okay, tomorrow's the ACT. I'm a cram, right? It's not that one session, right? It's not that one big marathon session where you pack it all in. It's 20 minutes a day in each subject, and you find that over time, you get mastery over the material. It's not that one thing. You know, uh, uh, parenting. Parenting. This is absolutely true in parenting, isn't it? It's the small investments of time over time. It's the cumulative value. It's not like you can do all your parenting in that, that one epic vacation. 
you know, I, I feel guilty. I haven't really spent a lot of time. So it's, it's, it's like that one week at Disney. That's it, right? I assure you, it won't be magic if that's it, right? Why? Because there is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time. It's those, it's those bits and pieces. It's 10 minutes here. It's, it's the minivan car ride to church. And uh, uh, that helps your sanctification many times, right? It's, it, it's these small amounts of time over time. Discipline. Discipline. Those of you that are parents, disciplining your child. It's not that, it's not like you have to have one come to Jesus meeting, you know, and it's this hour long heart to heart where you really lay it all out there and you get to the root issues of everything and like, glad that's done. Parenting. Check. Right? No, it's, it's small amounts of correction and training in righteousness. Small amounts of time over time. Let's could go on out. Relationship with your spouse, right? It's not that one epic, you know, romantic trip off to the Caribbean somewhere. Right? It's small amounts of time over time. The, uh, the, don't financial planners say it's not that you made one big investment or one big mistake early on. That's not the point so much as what? Small amounts of investing, continual, consistent investing over time. You get the point. Even hobbies, right? You want to play the piano here. You want to play the violin, or the fiddle. I'm not sure if that's the same answer. The point is, you want to, you know, it, it's not like that one epic practice session. What is it? It's, it's small investments of time over time. Even every, all hobbies, even, even Pastor Scott, even golf, right? It's small amounts of time over time, right? So, so far, I hope I haven't blown any minds, right? I, I, all I'm trying to do is establish a baseline that we know that to be true. We know that's a fact. Yes, Tom, yes, we get it. There is a cumulative value. It's not one thing, but a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. I don't think I've blown any minds. I don't think anybody's going to, like, take notes like, this explains my dental hygiene, I was doing one epically long toothbrushing session on Jan 1st every year and then would let it go. Like, this makes more sense, like brushing every day. Right? I don't think, I think we get that, right? So it's small amounts of time over time lead to a cumulative, a massive payoff, one that you could never predict based on the small investment. So if all that's true, and I believe it is, and if all that's obvious, then the question is, and why are New Year's resolutions so hard? Why do we tend to ignore that? Look, if we know it's true, why do we tend to ignore what is so obviously true? And the answer is really two sides of the same coin. The answer is, and everybody knows this, because there's no immediate benefit to any of the one single small investments. Do you know that? There's no immediate benefit to any of the one single small investment. So you do it, and since you don't get an immediate benefit, you go, well, I guess there's no cumulative value. Even though you know that's not true. Take any of the examples. Again, the most obvious is probably exercise. If you haven't been exercising, there's no immediate benefit to the one exercise session. If you haven't been exercising, and suddenly you're like, you know, Tom Sturman's got me fired up, and it's true, and I'm going to invest this or whatever, and you go and you exercise like four hours. It's not like anybody at work on Tuesday is going to be like, I don't know what it is, but you are positively radiant and like glowing with health and physical vitality right now. I mean, that's if you can even walk after, you know, your epic session, right? Everybody get that? There's not that immediate 
benefit. It's, it's cumulative. You didn't get there overnight. You didn't get there in one session. You know, you, it's not any one. You, you don't sit down and practice the piano one time and go, that's it. Huh, that was the one session that did it. I'm now a maestro at the piano or something. Or, I, you know, spending a few minutes with your kid. Well, that was good. You know, Tom said small investments of time over time. Here, I'm spending some time. We played Uno. Great. You won. Huh. So this is parenting. Like, you know? You don't get any immediate investment. Everybody, everybody, everybody agree with that? The, um, you know, you, you put investment in, in, in a financial instrument. Or something. You, don't, you don't necessarily get that immediate return. You know, I, I, I run. I don't know. I, I enjoy running when it's over. Um, but whatever. But it's not like one single run. It's like, that's it. I want that single run. And now I'm an elite runner or something. No. There's no one run won't make or break you. And that's the flip side of the coin. Because there's no immediate payoff, because there's no immediate benefit, you just assume there's no cumulative benefit. Even though we know that's not true. We, we, we talk, it's like so easy to talk yourself into not believing that because the flip side's true. Watch this. There's no immediate consequence for not investing a small deposit of time. See, just like there's no immediate benefit, watch this. There's no immediate consequence. If you are a person who exercises and suddenly you like take a Wednesday off, it's not like on Thursday, your body just falls apart. Your body just falls down. What are you doing? You missed a day. That's it. All these consequences. No, you'll be fine. If you have been trying to lose weight and you've been really on an on a, on a eating plan and you're eating all the right kinds of things and one day, you know, you've planned for splurges and you've planned for treats, but one day you just go really off your plan. Just one day on an idle Tuesday, you eat like a third bowl of ice cream, you know? What the, I mean, come on. You're, you're on the right track. It's not like that one, it's not like that one thing's going to... There's no consequence. See that? There's no immediate consequence. If you skip piano lessons one day, if you're a runner and you skip a run, and since there's no immediate consequence, it's easy to talk ourselves out of doing the one thing we know we need to do, which is investing small amounts of time over time. Now, it, some of you can see where I'm going with this a mile away. I, as, as a pastor, sort of let me talk about the, the category of life. What about your walk with God? Specifically, let me, t- let me just talk church for a second. When it comes to church attendance, now I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, you're here, right? But when it comes to church attendance, th- 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 that's a pretty good example. If you haven't been, if someone's not been to church in a while, maybe you've had this experience, and you come, I want you to feel welcome. I'm glad you're here. But I, hey, God can do anything, and I'm not, but typically, you, co- you say, okay, I'm going to go to church. They've been, they've been inviting me to First Baptist. I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go. You come, and it's like you leave, and it was good and all, but it's not like it changed your life forever. There's no immediate benefit. It's not like you come to one church service, and now you're like, I have a spiritual anchor for my life, you know? <laughs> like everything makes sense, and it's transcendent, you know? Meanwhile, if you miss a Sunday, it's not like your whole life falls apart. There's probably no better example than Sunday school. You know, I'm always encouraging everybody to be in Sunday school. And the way I hype up Sunday school, and Pastor Scott, he's always talking about Sunday school. We hit you with these statistics, like, and this is true. uh, We take the number of people in Sunday school and divide it by the number of people who come to worship, right? So the the percentage of people who come to worship who are in Sunday school, and it hovers around 80%. That means eight out of every 10 worship attenders are in a Sunday school. And I'm always praying for those last two out of 10, that they'll be in Sunday school. I'm, I'm hyping it up so much. I'm talking about, so what happens is, what happens is people who have not been in Sunday school, they take me up on it. They're like, Okay, I'll check it out. They go, and I'm sorry, but I, it's probably my own fault, but their expectations are so high that they go and they experience Sunday school, and they're like, well, it was good. 
But the way Tom talked about it, I thought it'd be like transcendent, life-changing forever. I had, that's just it. There's no immediate benefit to that one Sunday school experience. But there's cumulative value to investing over a long period. There's no immediate benefit. There's just not. And there's no immediate consequence if you skip. And yet, and I won't say who it was because I don't want to embarrass him, but I was at a funeral, uh, I don't know, it was a couple months ago. I, I don't remember the exact day. And uh, the funeral was of a, a younger guy who died, but the, the guy's parents were in our church. And I was standing there, and I was just moved by all the people that were there. And then in walked a group of 70-year-olds. There's another and another. And it was this, the deceased parents, Sunday school class members. And they were there for him because they'd been there for him for a lifetime. And I just looked at the people I was next to. They happened to be First Baptist Church members, and they were younger. And I looked at them, and it just happened that they were there. They got this little sermonette. Anybody could have been there, I would have given it. I looked at them, and I pointed right there. I go, guys, that's the goal. That's the goal right there. These lifelong friendships where these people have walked through stuff together and cared for each other, that's the cumulative value. They didn't get that in one Sunday, and they didn't lose it by missing one Sunday. Does that, does that make sense? So because there's not that immediate reward and that immediate consequence, we're tempted to think, well, it doesn't matter then, small deposits of time over time. Well, okay, we've got, we got to move quickly. Here's the second thing we know. We know that. We know that to be true. Here's the second thing. The reverse is true. Neglect is cumulative as well. Neglect adds up and stacks up, doesn't it? Some of you know this. Some of you are dealing uh, with parents who did not neglect their health. It wasn't that one choice uh, that they made or that one choice they failed to make. It was a cumulative effect. And now they have, may have reached a point of no return when it comes to their physical health. Uh, some people, it is uh, the example of, a, uh, 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 of finances. They've neglected those, daily, those small deposits, those monthly small deposits. It wasn't one bad decision. It was neglect, and now it's added up. It could be academics. I mentioned academics earlier. You know, you, you want that GPA, or you're going for that goal that you have uh, scholastically. It, listen, it wasn't that one Thursday night that you went out with your friends instead of studying. That's not what did it. It was cumulative neglect, and now you find you're so far behind it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to catch up in math or in science, whatever it is, right? You're experiencing this truth. Parenting. You know, everybody was so busy when they were kids and we just didn't have time. We were all running around. And now you reach a point where it's like so hard to get that back. And that's true spiritually. It's not, I want you to have a daily quiet time with the Lord. I want you to, I want you to really, uh, opening up God's word and praying. It's not that, it's not that you're going to get a benefit one time. Does that make sense? That's probably a great example too. Um, of, of this principle. It's not the one deposit of time alone with God, reading his word and praying. It's the cumulative value. Like some of you are starting a read through the Bible in a year plan. That's awesome. So that means today you're in Genesis chapter one. Yeah, call me in March when you hit Leviticus, right? And I don't, it's not like you read that passage in Leviticus and you're like, wow, that was awesome. I got a great benefit. Or if you skip it, you're like, oh, I'm just, my, my world's falling apart. No. And so you start to think, well, maybe the neglect won't add up. But neglect is cumulative as well. So, obviously, spiritually, you know, you can't wake up one day and be like, man, I need a spiritual anchor in my life. I'm sort of floating. I'm adrift. I'm lost. And my kids, they don't know God. And they don't, well, that's, neglect is cumulative. And here's an interesting truth. The sacrifice it takes, because it costs something to invest small deposits of time over time, but I assure you, that's just it. They're small deposits of time. And whatever it, price it takes, whatever sacrifice it makes for those small deposits, pales in comparison. That is, that's nothing compared to the great cost after you have to deal with neglect. 
It's much more expensive to deal with it then. Anyone who works on cars, you know, you neglect a car, just a little oil change along the way, a little bit of rotating tires, that would have prevented a big expense. Houses, it's all the same thing. And it takes no, it's funny, it takes, it's like our default mode is neglect. You know, it, did you know, neglect is just another word for procrastination, putting it off. Did you know, uh, 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 no one has to, how can I say this? It takes no effort at all to procrastinate. Like nobody has to learn or try hard to procrastinate. Nobody has a note on their bathroom mirror. Today, I must procrastinate. Oh, I've got to remember that. Right? Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, I, well, I did it. Ironic. Okay, right. Nobody, nobody has to remember to do that. That's natural. It comes easily for us. And so neglect just sort of Stacks up. So the areas of your life that deserve an investment of your time, the relationships that deserve an investment of your time, and for my purposes here this morning, your walk with God that deserves an investment of your time, if you continue to neglect these relationships, if you continue to neglect your walk with God, there will be, there sometimes comes a point where you just cannot go back and recapture what was lost because neglect is cumulative as well. And then the third thing, and again, it's, it's obvious you may not have thought about it, um, but this one's sort of a, uh, and again, I don't want anybody to feel guilty about this. I just, all I'm trying to do is establish a baseline so that we can look at the hope that's found in Scripture. But I've got to give you this third truth, and we all, we know it, we don't like to admit it, but there is exactly no cumulative value to the random things we opt for over the important things. What did you not do the important thing of exercise for? A few extra minutes sleep. Out of all those few extra minutes sleep, what are they worth? Nothing. Not compared to exercise or what I could have had. All that time with your kid, what'd you choose over it? Learning, be honest. Acquirement of knowledge, be honest. Consuming things, be honest. Scrolling through TikTok, there it is. Right? Add up all the social media we've scrolled through and as life just passes by, let me ask you something. All the scrolling you've done, what is the cumulative value? Zero. Nothing. Now again, all I'm trying to do is establish a baseline, right? So that's why we wake up and we go, where did the time go? That's why we wake up and go, what did I do with 2022? That's why it's like, it's a new year. I don't want to do that again. I, okay, I, like, there is a cumulative value in investing small amounts of time over time. And you, if you're like me, you hear these three things. I mean, I was listening to Stanley say this stuff. If you're like me, this is all very convicting, and Andy Stanley, you know, we was talking about this. He was like, uh, I don't want anybody to feel guilty. And I was like, I feel very guilty. <laughs> because I look at this and I go, I have, is there any hope? Is there hope here this morning? If you would say, I know those things, but I tend to ignore them. Well, there is hope. And the hope is this. <clears throat> God loves you. He loves you so much. He has a plan for your life. And he has a plan for your 2023. And he's got a plan for today. And he's giving you this thing called time. Everybody gets the same amounts, 24 hours a day. Whether you're rich or you're poor, you get 24 diamond-encrusted hours, each one bejeweled with dazzling sparkle of 60 minutes each. Whoo, it's precious. And he tells you how to invest that so that you don't wake up going, well, I got, I got nothing for my investment. And he shows us this in Ephesians chapter 5. So turn with me. Let's look for some hope in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 15. We're just going to look at a few verses. And if anybody here is thinking, man, I came here today for a fresh year, fresh start, new hope. I, listen, I'm with you. I am preaching to myself. 
And here's what we're going to walk away with. It's those small deposits of time over time that make all the difference. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 15. Ephesians, I picked this because Ephesians 5, this has like the preeminent verse, scripture verse, when it comes to the topic of time and how, what we're supposed to do with our time. So he starts here with verse 15. Paul writes to a church he loves, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, the key phrase in this verse is right there in the middle, how you walk. That means your day-to-day life how you live, how you spend your time, how you uh, uh, invest your days. And it's bracketed by two things Paul wants to get across. When it comes to how you live your life, your everyday life, this, by the way, it's how you walk, okay? This is, this is like your, um, uh, this is not your once in a year spectacular thing you do. You know, this is how you walk. This isn't like that awesome thing you do for the glory of God that you did once, like two years ago. It was epic. That's great. That's, that, that's so great. But this isn't that. This is how you walk. This is, this is, this is shopping on an idle Tuesday morning. Okay? This is your everyday life. This is how you walk. <laughs> I found this great uh, Tim Keller quote about this verse. He says, in the Bible, the walk is your day in, day out, moment by moment way of living. That's why it doesn't say, look carefully then how you somersault. (laughs) It struck me, he's exactly right. His point is, a somersault is something you could summon up and you could pull together. And maybe a somersault or a cartwheel or something, you're like, I don't know if I could pull it off. But if you tried hard and you thought about it, you know, you could do a somersault, but that would be... For some of you, that would be a very rare occurrence, you know. And that would be something you would do for show. You would do a somersault, ta-da, you know. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about what you do for show. He's not talking about the glitzy somersaults of life. The occasional, I had to, you know, I had to get a big, I had to get a big uh, running start, you know. Here, I'll do one for you. I'm kidding. (laughs) You know, these big moments where everybody watches, you say, ta-da, he's not talking about that. He's talking about your everyday, ordinary life, your, your walk. That's why Paul is saying, look carefully at how you walk. How you, it's not one big shining golden moment. It's the humdrum everyday life, carrying out quotidian tasks of uh, menial household chores and stuff. That's the stuff. And Paul says to do two things about it. The first is, look carefully. And the second is, don't be unwise, but be wise. Look carefully. Look carefully means scope it out. It means look accurately. It means don't just let life pass you by. Don't let 2023 float. Listen, you are not passive. You don't have to just let, well, 2023 is just going to happen to me. Life's going to happen to me. It says, no, you look carefully. You be proactive in this. Don't let minutes and hours in life just, just pass you by while you're sort of consuming and scrolling your way, says, scope it out. So the, the old King James is a great translation of this verse. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Isn't that a great word? That is a great adverb. Circumspectly. Do you know what circumspectly means? When's the last time you used the word circumspectly? Do you hear the roots in that? Spect, we get the word spectacles, or inspect and circum, around. If I say to you, um, Hey, you know, hey, look at that piano right there. You know, and those of you that can see it are like, okay, look at that piano. But if I say, inspect that piano, you think, oh man, he wants me to really go through it with a fine tooth comb. Inspect to look carefully and circum around. He's saying, take your walk with God, 
Really, just take your walk through life. Take, take the way you walk. Again, not your spectacular things, just who you really are. Take your walk and do the old 360, is what he's saying. Do a 360 inspection. Circumspect. Some of you have, some of you have, have, have had a, 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 a circumspectly type a, a, a moment in your life. You may not know it, but you've done it the last time you rented a car. Did that happen to you? I go to the rental car agency. I go to the counter. And the nice uh, employee there says, your car's ready, sir. Please come with me. I walk out with him. Why am I walking out with him? He stands there with this little electronic thing he signs. He says, before you sign this contract, we got to do one last thing. What is it? we got to take an inspection of the vehicle. Sir, if you don't mind, please walk all the way around the car. And I'm like, Jericho. Like, what am I? Like, what? No, walk around the car and do what? Circumspectly, look carefully. What are you looking for? You're looking for any sort of damage, any sort of uh, indication of damage, so that before you sign it, you can say, hey, this was here before I rented it, so I'm not responsible for this. And if I bring it back and there's some damage, we have proof that I walked around beforehand and it wasn't there. I'm looking carefully 360 degrees around. That's what you're supposed to do this morning. Look carefully. Do a 360 degree. Look carefully. Look accurately. Don't look faithlessly. Don't be unwise. Don't be foolish. Look carefully this morning at how you walk. What are those habits? Where do you need to begin investing small deposits of time over time? Some of you already know. I don't have to finish the sermon. You're like, you had me when you talked about parenting, spending time with your kids. You had me when I talked about spending time with my with my wife. Yes, it's, it's studying. Yes, it's, but for a lot of you, it's, it's, it's my time alone with God. Yes, it's, 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 it's plugging into a Sunday school. Where are those moments? That's good. That's good. You're, you're walking circumspectly. You're doing what the Bible says. You're looking carefully, not just at the fancy stuff on the outside everybody can see. Forget that. You're looking carefully at how you walk. That means you're not being passive. I love this. The, the Bible in... Uh, Paul says in a different place, in Romans 12, he makes a similar point. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message. Romans 12, 1, check this out. Here's what he says. It's exactly what I want you to do. He writes, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's it. He says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's the point. See, look carefully. Don't just blend into what the culture's doing. You be different. You, you look circumspectly this morning. And that's the other thing about how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. What is unwise and wise? Well, in the Bible, <clears throat> unwise is not just like uh, you didn't know some knowledge or something. Wisdom is more like like how you apply the Bible's knowledge to everyday life. And here, let me be as plain as I can. The, the old King James says, don't be foolish, but be wise. Here's what the Bible would say is unwise. Here's what's foolish. Foolish is this. You sit here and you go, yeah, yeah, he's right. Yeah, I need to make small deposits of time over time. He's absolutely right. I need to do that. Yep. Okay, well then, are you going to start doing it? Nah. That would be unwise. See? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's right. I, I know exactly the areas. I need to begin making those small deposits of time. Oh, that's great. What's your plan to do that? How are you going to start doing that? Have you looked circumspectly? Have... Nah. Do you have any plan to do that? Nah. What's your plan? To leave. Why did you come to church? 
Come to think of it, I came to church to leave. <laughs> that would be unwise. See, that's what the Bible says. You're not like that. Don't be like that, right? That's what it means. It means to, James says it this way. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. And here's why. Here's the crescendo. Here's why Paul says, look carefully and don't be unwise. If you know those small deposits of time over time make all the difference, what are they going to be? What in your life do you need to begin making small deposits of time over time? Here's why. Here's the crescendo. Making the best use of time, verse 16 says. Now, some translations say, make the most of every opportunity. All that is a big phrase, but making the best use of is really only one word in uh, Greek. It's the word that means um, purchase, redeem. It's a business word. It comes out of first century business jargon. It means to, to make sure you're getting what you pay for, to make sure in this redemption you're getting what you're paying, and you're paying your time, you're investing your time. You want to make sure you get the best return on investment. So it means purchase. It means redeem. It's the same word, by the way, making the best use is the word redeem, it's the exact same Greek word in Galatians 3 when it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. It means purchase. And so it's a merchant word. The idea Paul is saying, hey, be like a shrewd merchant. A good business person, a shrewd merchant, is waiting for the right, this is the, the Greek has two words for time, chronos, which is I guess like, you know, how we think of clocks and stuff and the ongoing, we get the word chronology, right, time, the timeline. Kairos is the other word, and kairos means more like um, opportunity. Like, like if I said to you, hey, 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 now's the time. I don't necessarily mean, you know, now is, you know, 11.32 a.m. I mean, like, now's the time, right? That's what kairos, that's opportunity. So he's saying, imagine now, a shrewd merchant is waiting, and a good merchant knows they're ready to make the big buy. They're just waiting for the sale. They're waiting for the discount. They're waiting for that slight depression in the market forces that drive the price down, and they're waiting and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and the minute it happens, boom, they pounce, they, 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 they snatch that opportunity, they seize it. That's what he's saying, that's what he's saying. It, it's the same word, kairos, in Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have time, it's the same word, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What's his point? When you see an opportunity to do good for the kingdom of God, to, to, to give glory to Christ, to do some good thing, especially to those in the household of faith, do it, don't miss it. Be proactive, Ephesians, making the best use of time, redeeming the time. Why? Because small deposits of time over time are how you redeem the time. And here, and here he, he says why. You see, it's already up there. He gives, he gives you the reason why. Why? He says, because the days are evil. See that you walk circumspectly. Look at your walk. Don't be unwise, be wise. Making the best use of the time or redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. What does he mean? The days are evil. <sighs> what he means is this. The culture you live in right now, and I live in, is not neutral. It absolutely, uh, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil have conspired so that if you think of a river, there is a strong current. And if you were to just pick up your feet and do nothing, you might think, well, hey, listen, this, this is a great, uh, I hear what you're saying, small deposit time, overtime, that's fine. I'm just going to do neutral. I'm kind of going to do neither. I'm not going to neglect my time, but I'm not going to redeem my time, make the most of every opportunity for Christ. Can I just like float? Can I be neutral? And here's the answer. N no. If you pick up your feet and float, you'll be carried away. Why? Because the days are evil. 
That's what it's trying to say. The, 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 the thrust is toward neglect. There's a great quote in C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters, where he says the ultimate goal for the demons, the ultimate goal for the devil, is to take a man's soul and give him nothing in return. He wants to steal and kill and destroy, and that, that current is flowing, and it's imperceptible. You don't know it. You think you're standing still. Anybody, anybody have this experience? Anybody like me? If, uh, it was probably 20 years ago. I don't remember. 25 years ago. There's no telling. And, uh, but I was at Panama City Beach, Florida. I was preaching at a youth camp. It was probably Laguna Beach Christian Retreat. It's still there. And uh, that's probably where I was, preaching at this youth camp. And a bunch of the, the, the teenagers, these groups, they, hey, hey, Pastor Tom, come on, let's play football out in the ocean. Let's play football. Let's throw around this football. Man, we were having a blast out there in the uh, crystal blue waters of the uh, uh, Panama City Beach there and uh, having a great time. And I mean, we must, we must have played for 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. And it was so cool. And eventually we looked up, looked back at the shore. It was like, oh, hey, dude. Where are we? <laughs> like, I didn't recognize the hotels. We didn't recognize, like, our stuff was long gone. We had no idea where we were. And we're like, okay, okay that's weird, because we were just standing right here in the same place. How do you think the beach moved? You know, like, I don't know, man. I think it's like plate tectonics. I read about it or something. You know, and we're sitting here all trying to figure out how the earth moved because we were standing in the right place. When somebody, I wish it was me, it probably wasn't, was like, you know, it could be the current. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I didn't think that's probably more, that is probably more reasonable than uh, a shift in the space-time continuum. And <laughs> so we went with that. And what we realized is it was imperceptible. We thought we were standing in the same place when, in fact, that current had been slowly moving us. We were, event- we were a quarter mile away, quarter mile, and a half hour from where we needed to be. And I know it was a quarter of a mile because instead of just getting out of the beach and walking back, one of these guys was like, eh, I bet you can't swim it back. I bet I can. And so we all swam it back and like no one could move for a week. Anyway, the point of that story is I'll never forget the effort of having to fight that current. You'd swim so hard and not get anywhere. And I thought if I had just every so often made a small deposit of energy and just every so often shifted back, I would go back to my fixed point and I would move back. I would go back to my fixed point and I would just move back. It would have been no effort at all. But it was an incredible amount of effort. Why? Because neglect is cumulative. If only I had invested a small deposit of time over time. Hey, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you are a parent, what I'm saying is get your child in church and in Sunday school and in Wednesday night and in all these available activities. Why? Because small deposits of time over time make all the difference. If you are a child, listen to me, get your parents in a Sunday school. Why? Because small deposits of time over time make all the difference. To use one of my favorite illustrations, I've used it before, but it makes so much sense. It's like raising a child. When God gives you a child, you you are the primary agent of responsibility for discipling that child. Disciple just means form. And what this verse means is, if you do not disciple your child, the world is more than happy to. The world wants to shape and form our children. They have no problem doing that. That's what it means the days are evil. And they don't even know they're doing it. It's like a current. It's imperceptible. So... If you don't want to go where the current shapes, Lord gives you a child, you figure you got 18 years, what happens is, I I like to use the illustration of a fence post being set in the cement. You just put that fence post in all that wet cement and you just walk off and leave. Fence post, you know, moves every which direction. You would never do that. No, you would set it in there, you put the level, you'd nudge it a little bit, put the level, 
Cement's slowly hardening. You put the level on it, you'd nudge it a little bit, you'd adjust it. It's all these little adjustments. And it's amazing. If you do those little adjustments while that cement is hardening, then when it hardens, look at it, look at it. Straight, level. It's the same thing. If, 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 however, you just left, can you imagine how much effort and work it would take to dig up and to reset and to get that? Once the cement is hardened. All of our kids, these days, the cement is hardening. I, I don't say that to put pressure on anybody or make anybody feel guilty. But to say from the hope of Scripture, listen, you say, well, what am I supposed to do about that? Small deposits of time over time are what make all the difference. Now, I want to give a word of hope. And this is going to be where we end, verse 17. Paul reiterates one last time, do not be foolish. He said that before. What does he mean? Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish. He's saying the worst thing you could do is to hear this and walk out of here and make no changes if you need to make changes in your life. That would be the worst thing. The Bible would call that foolish. He said the days are evil. It's interesting. The opposite of evil in this passage is not um, good. You would think it would be good. It's actually wise. Isn't that interesting? I'll leave you to ponder that. Well, anyway, he reiterates that, and he says, understand. Instead, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, the will of the Lord is used in many ways in the Bible. Sometimes it just means what God wants. Well, what God wants is obviously going to get done. That's the will of decree. Here he's talking more about the will of command, right? So, like, for example, um, uh, uh, God makes a command, thou shalt not murder. (laughs) Humans who want to properly thrive will come under the will of God, meaning they're obeying the commands of God. Uh, Others who go against the grain of the universe, of God's plan, that's called sin, will break that command. You get the point. That's what he's talking about. And I want to give you an encouragement for anybody who thinks that you got to walk out of here and make some major, major change. You haven't heard me. It's small deposits of time over time. When we think of the will of the Lord, especially young people, all too often we put too much pressure on ourselves, pressure that God doesn't put on us, and we try to discover the will of God as if it's these major decisions in our life, and that's all the will of God is. Some people think when, when you think will of God, you're thinking, where am I supposed to live? Whom am I supposed to marry? Am I supposed to marry? Well, uh, uh, what am I supposed to do for a living? What am I supposed to do for a career? But here, that's not what this passage is talking about. What's it talking about? It's talking about how you walk, how you walk. So Listen. When it comes to the will of God for you, walk with him. Walk with him the rest of the day. You got January 1st. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice. Be glad in it. You start to walk with him. And you know what you'll do? You'll start to walk with him a little bit tomorrow. And walk with him a little bit the next day. And then as you grow to walk with him and walk with him, guess what you start to understand? Guess what starts to begin unfolding? His will. And you begin to look back and you go, okay, I see what he's doing. I see it's just, it's just one small deposit of time over time. It's not any one Bible reading. It's not any one church. It's just those small, faithful, consistent. It's those small deposits of time over time that have made all the difference. Now, you, you are smart. You are very smart people. You can apply this, no doubt, in a million ways. The musician is going to come and lead us in a time of response. Obviously, you know, as a pastor, I would, I would be bold enough Uh, to ask you because I think there's no better investment of time. There's no better way to redeem the time uh, than to come to church week after week, to join a Sunday school class and be faithful in attendance, uh, to come on Wednesday nights, to each day spend some time with God and word and prayer. There's amazing uh, apps now that you can do that. The Bible app comes to mind. They'll send you these devotions every day. You can figure out how to do that. But I 
felt like I couldn't close without, uh, without saying one word to somebody who even after all this, and even after I've tried, to, I've tried to say, hey, this is a word of encouragement. This isn't meant to make anybody feel guilty. I still can't help but think there's somebody in here who is uh, gonna be covered in guilt and shame over this. Because when I talk about this stuff, maybe some years have gone by, and you're sitting here and you're going, this would have been a really great sermon for me 15 years ago. And I have squandered so much. <laughs> How can I get that back? Like, 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 what do I do? Is there any good news for me? To anybody who feels the weight of condemnation, to anybody who feels that guilt, you've you got to hear this. The Bible has an answer for you too. And the word is, you ready? Grace. And this grace is an incredible thing. What it means is this. It is easy to think on January 1st that that flip of a calendar page, and you go, man, it's like a fresh start. It's like a new beginning. Some of you have thrown out your old day planner, and you got a new planner. You see that phone, and you, you, you flip to the new page, and there's all these blank little boxes on a calendar waiting to be filled. And some of you, that gives you a sense of new start and fresh beginning. But you know yourself. You're looking back going, but I've never kept these resolutions. I'm not very good at keeping these resolutions. I'm not going to keep these. And so, Tom, this is a great message 20 years ago, but now I'm too polluted. I'm too uh, messed up. I, I, I can't get it right. How am I going to possibly unpollute myself? How am I going to? I haven't made those small deposits of time. I have experienced all this neglect. How am I going to get cleaned up and get spiritually fit and healthy enough to go back to God? This is the good news of the gospel. This is the word of grace. Hey, you don't clean yourself up to go to God. You just run to God. He'll clean you up. He'll take care of you. None of us can get ourselves clean. And it's not, listen, it's not the turn of a calendar page that will give you that new start you're looking for. It'll only be a few weeks, a few months, or for some of you, a few hours before you break all those resolutions. No, no, no. You won't find what you're looking for in the turn of a calendar page. That fresh start you long for comes only from looking to Calvary's cross. There on the cross, the man of sorrow stretched out his arms. They drove nails in his hands, nails in his feet, and he died there in your place and for your salvation so that you could come to him. You think, I, I can't do it. I don't have enough resources. I don't have, oh, I know. Listen, inflation, everything costs more, right? <laughs> everything costs more. What, what does it cost? Here's good news. There is no inflation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ready? Salvation is still free. It was free when the whole thing started. It's free today. It'll be free until he comes. You understand? It, it, it's still free. It's available. So don't miss out on the grace of God. Don't let the condemnation of the in enemy. No, no, no. Listen. So, okay, fine. So the best time to make small deposits of time over time was 20 years ago. Fine. That was the best time. Well, the second best time is today. Best time to do a lot of these things was 15 years ago. Well, I feel guilty about what wasn't there. We've been given a new day, a new year. God's still on his throne. He's still working. So the second best time to make small deposits of time over time is to start today. I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to pray as you apply this in your own life and in your family. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I pray, first of all, for anyone who's not yet a believer. Today would be the day of their salvation. I, I can't imagine what a great day. January 1st, a new year to be the day of new life, new eternal life 
for a person. Let today be the day they respond to you and place their faith and trust in you as Lord and Savior. I also pray for my brothers and sisters who are believers. God, grant to them today that they would have some time today to do a 360 walk around their walk. That they would have some time to do a, to do a close inspection, a, 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 a circumspectly kind of analysis on their walk with you. And look for those places where they can begin making small deposits of time over time. Maybe some quiet time with just a, if they're married, a husband and a wife together, or a family could come together and think carefully about what small deposits of time. That they would even make a plan for how they're going to invest small deposits of time over time and not believe the lie of these evil days. Not be formed by a culture without even thinking about it. Oh, God, grant us that grace. We need you for that. Increase our love for you and our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.